This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Kickin' Life Podcast. Your host, your truly Kickin' Life guru, Master Rich Grogan. Hey, as Rocky says, nothing hits harder in life. It's not about how hard you can hit, but how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. And that's how winning is done. And I want you to be a winner. I want you to be your very, very best. I want to inspire and motivate you to believe in yourself. So when, not if, but when life knocks you down, you get right back up with that confidence that I can take on more, I can do more, and I can live my best kick in life. All right, so buckle up, saddle up, here we go. Woohoo, boy, I love that intro. Hey, how we doing today? Here I am, Kicking Life Guru, Master Rich Grogan at you. Hope you're having a fantastic day after listening to that intro, and I don't know how you couldn't have a fantastic day. Man, I'm just pumped up listening to it. Well, hey, I got a lot to share. I uh, missed you guys last week. I was out of town, and I'll tell you a little bit about the trip. All kinds of stuff uh, going on here. I'm going to start off with something that was actually a little on the scary side, and all your parents out there, you can definitely relate to this. It's kind of a parent's worst nightmare, and that is your child getting in a car wreck. So the only thing that could make it any worse is if the police, paramedics, or somebody else gives you the phone call. Fortunately for me, my son was the one who gave me the phone call to let me know that he had been in a car wreck. And, of course, if he's calling, that means he's all right. Now, his car wasn't all right, and he was banged up a little bit, but at least he was able to call. So I kind of set the premise there. I'll tell you about what happened. It was, you know, I don't know what day it was, uh, Wednesday morning, and he was heading to school and, you know what, running a little bit late. I always get on to him about running late. But uh, he was had a power shake, was drinking it on the way, and it was raining. Roads were slick. Took a curve a little faster than he probably should and slid off the embankment there. Now, fortunately, no other cars were coming. Fortunately, he slid off the smallest area where the embankment was. But the scary part was when he slid off, um, the car went over on its side and slid on its side for I don't know how many feet, a good 50, 60 feet. And then I'm not sure what he did then. He doesn't remember. But uh, I guess he jerked the wheel and got it back upright on all fours. But by sliding that far, not only knock out the driver's side window, smash the whole side in, I mean, the car is totaled, but there was so much mud and dirt, and well, it was mud until it dried inside that car. I mean, if you would have stood there for four days and shoveled mud, I don't think you could have shoveled as much mud in the car that was in there. And uh, But like I mentioned, he's the one that made the call and made that call a little after seven. Hey, Dad, uh, um, I had a small accident. Okay, are you, are you okay? He goes, I'm fine. But the car's not. I'm like, all right, well, sit tight, and I'll be there. And, of course, I'm just like anybody else. The first emotion, you're scared to death. You know, whoa. whoa, whoa. But once I heard his voice, he was okay. But then you start replaying all these things in your mind, what possibly happened. And, of course, you can't get to the crash site soon enough, but you don't want to have a wreck on your way there either. So you try and pace yourself. You get there, your heart's beating, and you see the car. And, oh, my gosh. And then all the tragic things go through your head. But you see him, you know he's safe. Now, he... He was banged up a little bit. Uh, mud was absolutely, he was covered from head to toe in mud. And uh, uh, But like I said, he was fine. Just like any other adult, you get there, you survey the situation, you're glad he's okay. Then the other emotion kicks in, you want to rip his head off <laughs> now that you know he's safe. But, uh, and then I think that's just normal human emotion. You start thinking about all the other stuff. So I guess that morning, it was a pretty slow morning for everybody because two Edwardsville police officers showed up. Two Illinois State police officers showed up. A um, Madison County officer showed up, and then a paramedic and firefighter showed up. Bang. 
all before the record got there. Now, to be honest, I was wanting the uh, tow truck record to get there and get on out. Uh, but uh, the people, I don't know how many people stopped and asked if he was okay, which, you know, that's a testament to there are a lot of good people out there. I know we get wrapped up in the world where it's all, you know, going to hell in a handbasket and there's no nice people. There's no good people. There's all everybody's in it for themselves. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, obviously I wish it was under different circumstances, but there were a number of people that stopped and, Hey, are you okay? Is everything all right? Is he all right? Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So anyway, it was pretty doggone scary, but like I said, the fortunate thing was um, he made the call, so I knew he was safe, which was awesome. Uh, not awesome that he totaled his car, and uh, but if he learned a lesson out of this, and you know that was all he got out of it, then I'll take that lesson nine times, or not nine times out of ten, every time out of ten, right? Uh, but uh, so it could have been a heck of a lot worse. And that's the way I'm trying to look at it. Trying to look at it, as always, with an optimistic point of view. The reason I'm sharing this with you as a uh, parents out there that are listening, you know that's the worst phone call you can ever get. That's what you fear, having your kids out there. And now being on the other side, I can see what my parents went through when I was out, especially when I was past curfew and late getting home. And, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. So it was, I, I was late. I can't imagine what was going through my poor parents' heads and minds and everything else. And that's probably a reason why they clobbered me when I came home late and I was a little bit of a slow learner I, I was late more times than I should have been but uh, so mom and dad I know you're listening out there I just want to say wow I'm sorry I put you through that and all the other <laughs> things I put you through um, I was a good kid as a kid at least I think I was always respectful but you know I was more than a little bit of a rebel and a wild child so I had that going which I don't know that's a good thing or not, but it's who I am, and that's why I've got the podcast, and that's why I do the speeches I give, and i got the martial arts studio and everything else going on because that's my personality. And um, so parents out there, if you've got a little bit of wild child, make sure they're respectful and just remind them how much you care about them, how much you love them every single day, and uh, because you never know. Boy, oh, boy, you never know. Anyway. Austin's safe, he's fine, and uh, he's got some work to do to his car is totaled, and as it would be, two months ago we dropped our insurance down to just liability because it is an older vehicle, so he got nothing out of it. Uh, so he's going to try and, I don't know, whatever he's going to try and do, get a few bucks out of it to help get a new car. So that was the start. So parents out there, take a breath. Whew. Yes, I just did that myself. All good. What happened after that, the next day, we were um, going to fly out to Denver, Colorado. I was going to take Austin with me to a martial arts business conference, which is with some of the greatest martial artists, not only uh, fighters and technicians in the world, but also best business people in the world, helping establish what the martial arts industry, trying to get that mindset for People out there that martial arts is solely punching and kicking. It's all about inspiring and motivating kids, adults, grandparents, anybody to believe in himself, to live their best possible life. So try and change that cultural mindset that martial arts is just flopping your arms and legs around. It's actually about helping people develop into the person they were born to be and live their best life. Now, our mission at the Academy, our mission was simple. Who we are, we're Academy of Life Changers. Our goal every single day, every single minute, every single hour is anybody that comes in the Academy or anybody we, we encounter or run into is help inspire them to believe in themselves change their lives for the better, help them live their best possible life. And by doing that, it's going to achieve our kind of purpose, if you will. And our purpose, mission, value is we're making, not trying, but we are making our society a happier, healthier, and safer place to live. And of course, that benefits everybody. 
You know what? If society is happier, then you're going to have less angry people. You're going to have less people uh, um, going through life miserable and then making other people miserable, right? And then, of course, if they're healthier, they're going to feel better about themselves. When you feel better about yourself, you're happier. And, of course, safer, that's kind of the, the last tier, if you will, the third leg of the three-leg table there, and all that ties it all in together. People are happier, healthier then automatically society is going to be much, much safer simply because you're not going to have people out there committing crimes because they're not angry at themselves and angry at others. So there you go. Quick little recap on that. So we get to the airport, and Austin's never been uh, on a plane before. He's been to the airport many times picking me up, but he's never been on a plane before, so we were super excited. You know, we got up about 3.30 in the morning to, to get there to catch that, uh, what was it, five, 6 o'clock flight. We get there, and we go to check our bags, and the guy says, oh, your, your plane's not here. Plane's not here. <laughs> Where the heck's it at? He goes, I don't know. It didn't come in. Oh, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> hopefully the, the the passengers and the pilot and everybody are, are someplace safe, but it's not here. And he goes, well, you need to get in there and uh, find out what, what they're going to do. He said, but, you know, obviously we won't check your bags. So we go in, wait in this long line, and, and those that have been to the airport before and those that have had a flight canceled before, you, it, it's a little on the stressful side and frustrating side, but things happen. I get that. I'd rather have a, a plane that didn't come in or a sick plane still on the ground than a plane that decides to get sick in the air, and then, of course, all kinds of tragic, uh, tragic things happen. But anyway, we're, uh, um, we're waiting, 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 and we get up there, and the guy says, oh, well, there's no more flights out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, well... We need to get out because I had planned the conference wasn't going to start to the next day, but Austin and I were going to fly into Denver, Colorado. We were going to go. Uh, we thought about skiing, but since he had a wreck the day before and banged his head around pretty good, uh, I don't think he had a concussion, but he was banged up a little bit. He was okay to fly, but I thought skiing might not be a good idea. But we were going to do all kinds of things. We were going to tour uh, Coors Field, which would have been awesome. That's where the Colorado Rockies play. And then that night, we were going to go to the Pepsi Center and watch the uh, Colorado Avalanche uh, play against the Minnesota Wild. You know, a huge hockey fan here, and I thought that would be a great opportunity. But that wasn't going to happen So because there was no flights. So I asked the guy, what, well, what do we do here with Southwest Airlines? And then they did a pretty good job. Of course, I always hoped they could have done a little bit better. The guy says, well, if you want to go over to the other terminal there and uh, see if Frontier or any other airline can get you out today. He said, because as soon as flight I've got out is tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. I'm like, holy cow. So those have been the St. Louis airport. You know, Southwest has got their own hub. Well, we had to go stand outside, and it was a little on the cold side, catch a shuttle over to the main terminal. And uh, so as it's ticking along here, now it's uh, 5.30, now it's 6 o'clock, now it's 6.30, and we finally get over to the other place, and we go, and they don't have a flight out till 2.30, and the other person doesn't have one. So we start getting on all the different airline sites to see what we can find, and bang, 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 all the flights are going, and now the prices are going up. We're talking $750 to $1,000 an airline ticket. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there is no way. Well, after five hours, just giving you a quick story here, after five hours of sitting at the airport, Austin having the best first airport experience, right? Called my wife. She comes and picks us up. Now, here's the point of the story. The day before, Austin was in a pretty bad wreck, but he, he came out okay. Car's total, but he's fine. Now, today, we're at the airport. Every chance and opportunity to be frustrated. And yeah, to be honest, I'm a human being. I was frustrated, but I wanted to do my best to show the best example to Austin and let him know, man... Sometimes things in life happen. They just do. And they're out of your control. You know, and you've heard me talk about this before, and this was a just kind of wow, resolidified that fact. Life is all about not the 10% that happens to you, but based in the 90%, which is kind of 90% of what uh, how you react to that 10%. So in other words, 
things that happen you have no control over, man, just realize that. There's no control. If I would have got upset, frustrated, threw a temper tantrum, had a big little hissy fit right there in the floor and yelled at the airline and everything else, what good would that have done? Would that have gotten me a plane? Would that have gotten me an airline ticket? Would that have gotten me to Denver, Colorado? No, it would not have. Nothing good would have come of that. Now, the bad that would have come of it, one, I'd look like an idiot. <laughs> Two, I'm quite sure somebody would pull out their phone and tape, hey, look at this guy. What is he doing? He's having a fit. And, of course, that goes along great with uh, the reputation of being the kick and life guru, being a positive, motivational, inspirational speaker, and here I'm having a meltdown and a temper tantrum. Now, I'm telling you this because the thought was there, but then the thought was, and that's the power of continuing to read positive things, continuing to get out there and talk to positive, motivating people and realize that, you know what, it's not worth getting upset over. Another negative that could have came out of that is Austin could have seen his dad, which I guess, I guess I'm his hero, and act in that way. So that would tell him, well, you know what, dad talks about all this stuff, about being positive, about inspiring people, but yet when things go bad, he has a temper tantrum and a fit. So all those things, and I'm telling you this for the simple fact, five years ago, I probably didn't think this way. Not probably. I know I didn't think this way. Now, it doesn't mean I would have had a temper tantrum and a meltdown and look like a two-year-old in uh, Chuck E. Cheese is having a meltdown, but it means that I probably would have handled it differently. And that's why I want to share with you, you know what? Uh, oh, actually, let me say this before I say, you know what? <laughs> One of my mentors, uh, Kiyoshi Dave Kovar, which, by the way, I'm going to have on the podcast in the very near future, and I'm also going to mention a few other people that I'm going to have on the podcast in the very near future, and these guys, as inspiring and motivating as I hope I am to you, I feel like I am, uh, these guys are a little lower key than I am because I don't know if anybody is as hyperactive as I am, and that's okay. These guys are extremely intelligent and extremely uh, deliberate and direct with their message, but it gets the point across. And these are the kind of people I surround myself with in order to continue moving forward. But anyway, his quote, and he says it all the time, and he learned this from his father, and his father is uh, 95 or 96. When we get him on the podcast, we'll ask him about that, who served honorably in World War II. And I got a chance to meet his father a couple times. What a great man. I mean, really. And he's still active. Wow. Good genes there. Anyway, he says this that his father said to him, and that is, if getting mad helps, then get real mad. Go all out. Have the biggest fit on the planet and see if that does any good. And when you realize that and when you think about that, it'll kind of stop you in your tracks and say, you know what? All right. Okay. Yeah, it's frustrating. But like going back two days in a row here, Austin's safe. That's good. We're safe. We're on the ground. We're not in a, a broken airplane in the air. So that's good. Yes, I lost five hours of my life that I'll never get back. But having a fit, all that's going to do is ruin the rest of the day. So I called my wife. She came and picked us up. She goes, I know you're frustrated. I know you're mad. You know, you know what? It's okay. I'm, I'm here with you guys. And let me tell you, that evening, and I got home, I was a little tired, to be honest with you. It's something about you know, stress and trying to go through things and this and that and panic that the airport just sucks the life out of you, right? Got home, took a little quick nap. And that evening, we went out, uh, the family, which we wouldn't have had an opportunity to do that if we were gone in Denver. So I'm looking at the positive side. And I uh, went to a little pizza place in uh, Bethalto there. I'll give a little shout-out to Roma's Pizza. It was, it was awesome. It really was. But we sat at a booth, and I bet we sat there for an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, 
and we just had a great time. I mean, we really did. The family was talking, good engagement. Everybody's getting along. And it's not that we don't get along, but I've got, you know, a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, an 8-year-old. And then, of course, my, you know, wife and I, we work together every day. So there's sometimes a little bit of friction with everything going on. But this was, it was surreal. It was really, really good and a great experience. Now, something I've shared with you before, and I highly suggest you do this. Well, you know what? Let me back up. I keep backing up before I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to set the stage for this. When you go out to dinner the next time with your family, I want you to do the one thing. I want you to look around and notice all the people, all the families that have their cell phones out. So they're going, to, they're going out for a night out. I guess it's a nice night out, dinner with the family, but nobody's engaged in any conversation. They're all on their cell phone doing their own thing. I say this because I caught myself doing this. Now, we have a rule. The cell phones, matter of fact, the kids don't even bring the cell phones in. And I've gotten better about just leaving my cell phone in the car too. Uh, but if I do bring it in, it's uh, on uh, vibrate or it's turned off, and we have a good family discussion. Austin had said this sometime before, and it's amazing the things you notice when you actually look for them. He um, noticed right across from us was a family of four, and he looked over and he says, Hey, Dad, look at that. That's a great conversation they're having. <laughs> of course, he's being sarcastic. Every single one of them was on a cell phone just going to town. The waitress came up, and the waitress stood there. Hi, my name is uh, Sarah. I'm going to be a waitress tonight. Uh, is there anything I can start you off with? And she stood there in silence as they all played on their phone. And I'm thinking, my gosh. Now, of course, I don't think that family meant to be rude. However, they have just conditioned themselves to, boom, that's what you do. And it happens. It happens. And back to, to me, my, my kids have called me out on it before. And this, uh, we've done a good job, uh, I don't say lately, I, I think, I would almost say it's going on probably two years now where the rule is set, and it's a conditioned behavior. They know. No phones at the table. Bang. And it's a great rule. It was a little tough to start, just like anything new, but now, you know, we did it. You can do it, too. Well, I would uh, get my phone out because i get a text or an email, and I would say, okay, guys, well, this is business. i got to take care of this. Well, I was like, what a hypocrite. You know, yeah, it's business to me, and yeah, it's what makes it possible for me to take the kids out to eat. However, the kids, they think their games or they're Snapchatting their friends, that's business to them. So their business, even though it's play, is still business to them. And my business, even it's work, you know what, it's the same thing. So I said, you know what, you're exactly right. I'm putting this phone up. And by doing that, I'm telling you, you find out stuff. It's a great connection. And as you know, time, tick, tock, tick. Talk, it's gonna boop go on by. Like the time you're listening to this podcast, hopefully, and hopefully I know it is. I'm just gonna say, yes, it is. It's positive, it's motivating, it's inspiring, it's giving you life tips, it's helping you become your very best through the mistakes that I've made. And I'm sure some of the mistakes you've made too. But by hearing me say the mistakes and you can relate to those, you're thinking, you know what? Yeah, there's a connection. You know what? I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna put that cell phone up. I'm gonna look around and notice all the people that are on their cell phones and not engaging in that precious time with their families. Because once that time ticks away, it's gone. I mean, it is gone and you're never, ever getting it back. I had a post the other day I put on my Facebook page and it said, time is like a moving stream. You can never touch the same water twice. You can never relive the same time twice. Once it's gone, it's gone. You can't go back and do a redo. You can't rewind. You know what? I want to rewind that last half an hour. Well, I guess you can on your DVR at home, but that's not real. I mean, oh, I guess, oh, yes, it is. It's sports. It's game. I can skip commercials. I love that. But time, once it's gone, baby, it's gone. So cherish that time. So I started off by telling you about Austin's car wreck, which was scary as can be. 
He's safe. That's good. And then we moved on to kind of uh, the thing at the airport. Ah, a little on the chaotic side, but you know what? The family was safe. And by staying positive and thinking, you know what? It ain't worth throwing a fit. We were able to have a wonderful dinner that night with the family. Now, the next morning, having to get back up at 3.30 in the morning again and drive to the airport again. Yeah, that was a little, oh, boy. But the good news is <laughs> I went up to the baggage claim and went to, uh, or not baggage claim, baggage check, and put our bags in. And I said, is our plane here? The guy says, well, yeah. I said, good. We're off to a better start than we were yesterday. This is good news. And from then on, it was a pretty good, smooth sailing. And then you run into little hiccups along the way. We rented a car and you know, a few little hiccups there. But we got to the conference, and the conference was great right there, right when it started. Unfortunately, it started about five minutes later than it should have, and uh, we were right on time. And from then on, it was a great, great conference. Austin met all kinds of spectacular, wonderful people, and he was just like, oh. Now, it was work because I mean, it was a learning conference. Conference, but there was also a variety of different training sessions that we attended, and it was good. It was real good. The highlight of the event, well, I'll tell you the truth be told, the highlight of the event was I got to spend uh, three full days with my son, my teenage son, Austin. So parents out there, you think about that. Once the kids hit teenage, and, if you, and I'm thinking back when I was a teenager, you know, it's not that I didn't want to spend time with my parents, but I had too many other things going on, you know? I, I mean, girls and friends and sports and of course, we didn't have uh, uh, social media or cell phones or any of that stuff back then, but there was always stuff to do. And it's not that my parents were any less cool than they always were, but in my mind, there was other things to do. I share that because me being able to spend the time that I spent with Austin, that just he and I, and well, we've been engaged with a lot of different people at the conference, which was, I mean, there's over 200-something people there, which was amazing some major celebrities and superstars, uh, uh, I don't know how many different world champions in different events, uh, some in kickboxing, some in MMA, some in point sparring. One guy that, uh, to be honest, I, I'd, I'd never met before, and I was, it was pretty cool because Austin was standing next to me, and this guy comes up and goes, oh, Mr. Grogan, I listen to your podcast and your videos, uh, watch your video blogs all the time. Thank you. I need that inspiration. I'm like, well, thank you very much. And another guy comes up and goes, have you met uh, Troy Dorsey? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. He just came up. He goes, do you know who he is? I'm like, "Um, no. (laughs) I felt bad. And uh, and Troy Dorsey didn't say it, but the guy that was introducing him said, oh, he's the only guy in the history to be a, uh, a point, karate point champion a full contact kickboxing champion and a boxing world champion in two different weight classes within the same three year period. Nobody else has ever done that. And for him to come up and say that uh, that I inspire him, I'm like, holy cow! I was starting to do the Wayne's World. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was it, and the best part about it, Austin was right there, my son. And you know, uh, yeah, I, I guess I do a lot of different things, and I'm out there, and I feel. I don't feel, I know I'm doing, I feel like I'm inspiring people. I know in my heart that I'm doing my absolute very best. But, you know, to me or to my son, to Austin, I'm just dad. You know what? I'm dad that gets on to him for, you know, uh, not picking up his socks out of the floor. I'm dad that gets on to him about wrecking his car. I'm dad that gets on to him about this and that because, you know, I'm just dad. And he still loves me and I love him. But to have that happen, and then I don't know how many other people came up, that was pretty inspiring. And to be honest with you, I didn't think I was worthy of that simply because I'm in the presence of all these world champions and 
you know what? Uh, I, I'm not sure that I measure up to him, but uh, I was very honored, and it was great. And then Austin, I could see the look on his face, and he couldn't wait to when we got back to the academy to tell um, to tell the instructors and everybody else. And this kind of all ties in together. I filmed a video blog a few weeks ago. A friend of mine had this sign on on, on her desk, and it said from Ron Burgundy, you know. I'm kind of a big deal. So I filmed a blog that said this. I'm kind of a big deal. And uh, Austin used that, and it made me feel pretty good. So that uh, that kind of got a little sidetracked. But he had a chance to, to run into meet and work with. And then that Troy Dorsey, and a big shout-out to Troy Dorsey. I'll probably have him on the podcast as well. He uh, got a chance to train with him. And Austin was just inspired. And Austin's, got, Austin's a jumper with kicks. I mean, that kid can fly. He's got springs for legs, which is awesome. And uh, when I was a little bit younger, like last year, I could get up there pretty good too. So anyway, Austin was uh, doing a jump spinning back kick, and Troy Dorsey brought him up the front with all these people in there, and they said, you know what, uh, maybe we can get this kid to jump a little bit higher. And everybody kind of laughed because Austin was flying up in the air. So he couldn't wait to come and let me know. I unfortunately didn't attend that uh, training session. I was in another session, and uh, he was just ear to ear. So I asked him, I said, hey, you having a good time? He goes, oh, I'm having a great time. And now it was work because he's taking a lot of notes. And, uh, of course, the training sessions were more fun than the classroom sessions, so to speak. But uh, he had a good time, but he could definitely wore out. And then he said, he goes, you know what, Dan, I'm just really having a good time with you. Wow. So once again, parents out there, you have a teenage kid, think about that. It melted my heart. Hopefully it might be telling you it melts your heart and you'd have that extra connection with your kiddos too. Just anything. Now, of course, you don't have to take them on a trip to Denver to a martial arts business conference to have that connection. Just simply go out to dinner with them, put your phones away, and connect with them. Reconnect with them. As a teenager, I don't know how it would have felt. My parents would have done that. I mean, I'm sure they probably tried. I can't remember. I just know how good as a parent it makes me feel uh, to have that connection with my son. So, anyway, what else happened that weekend? which that weekend, I can't believe it was a whole week ago. Here it is Friday here. I'm recording this, and I'm not sure what day it is for you, but as always, listen to it more than once. So if it is next Friday, you're listening to it today, next Friday, Monday, Tuesday, heck, listen to it every day. All right, that's great. The more you hear the voice, hopefully it's inspiring you to live your best kick in life. So kind of the highlight of uh, the weekend, had all those things going, but I had uh, planned to get with, he's uh, a good friend of mine, and he's definitely going to be on the podcast in the very near future, is Master Chip Townsend. Now, Master Chip Townsend is a 14-time world-breaking champion. This guy's broke everything under the sun and multiple, 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 did I say multiple? Multiple times. And he's also, he holds four, I'm sorry, five, he just broke another one, five world records in breaking. And his latest one is he broke four baseball bats at one time with one kick. Wow. So, we had planned, I want to do in front of all our peers, and there's 200 and something here uh, that was a part of this, and also at the, um, the last training session on this Saturday night, well, it wasn't the last one, it was the last one of that day, was to break a baseball bat in front of everybody. Now, I've never done this. I've never broke a baseball bat in front of, well, in front of anybody. I've never done it, period. So we had a couple days of, uh, you know, kind of working out on technique, proper value, technical value, making sure the hip flows through, making sure you kick with the proper part of the leg. And it is a, a real baseball bat, right from the Louisville Slugger plant. So there's no fake bats here. And, of course, your shin bone is your shin bone. We've all banged into a chair before or a table leg or the bed, and we know how bad that hurts on our shin when we do that. It's like, oh, gosh. So the shin is pretty sensitive. And a real baseball bat, yes, baseball bats break when you watch baseball, but think about 
you know, it's not that often. It's not like you, you break a bat every time at bat. At best, you may see one broken bat a game. So it's the real bats from the Louisville Slugger plant. So those suckers are pretty tough. So mentally, preparing for this. Now, a little backstory. I've had uh, nine knee surgeries on my right, right leg. And uh, I've got, what is it, seven bolts, a plate, screws, pins, and a, a spacer in there. And the spacer was, after the last knee surgery, they had to realign the bone to the medial side, the middle of the leg, simply because it had wore down so much from previous wear and tear from playing hockey, football, uh, baseball, and, of course, martial arts over in Korea was pretty rough on the legs there and all the fighting along the way. So I've got a lot of hardware in the leg. I have not done a leg break any type, you know, any kick for, I bet it's been six, seven years. Now, I've never shared that with anybody. I just would always do upper body breaks, punches and elbows and head butts and spear hands and palm strikes and, and everything else with the upper body, but not, not the lower body. And the reason was that fear of that leg. So this bat break was something that mentally, it was uh, something I had to overcome. I truly, uh, and I talk about inspiring people, you know, motivating people, tell them they can do it, believe in yourself, I believe in you, you can do it, but yet I've got this little <laughs> little hiccup, if you will, in my head here, knowing I've got this little demon, well, it's a big demon, that I had to overcome. Now, the reason I'm sharing this story with you is simply because I'm saying, look, I put myself out there, and I'm going to continue doing that to better myself, to push through my adversities, to push through my challenges, to fight those demons that are holding me back, that fear because I want to do a better job of learning how to overcome my fears to help you overcome yours. Because everybody's got their own. Now, I don't think your fear is probably wanting to break a baseball bat or do any kind of leg break. <laughs> when I say leg break, I'm not talking about break your own leg. I'm talking about use your legs to do a break. But it was something I seriously had to battle with to overcome. So as we're practicing and preparing for it, I just... I was trying to let loose, but I could feel myself holding back. And Master Chip Towns is like, hey, got to give me more. got to give me more. I'm like, I'm all in. I'm all in. Now, I've done uh, my best uh, brick break is seven bricks with an elbow strike. And I'm talking the two-inch patio tiles are, uh, I'm sorry, not patio tiles, landscaping bricks. So those are some humdingers, man. I, you know, you stack them all up there. That's, what, three, three and a half, four foot of concrete. That's a lot. And it's none of that fake stuff. This is the real deal coming down. Well, technique is important, of course. And a technical value, understand how the body works, but the biggest part is the belief in yourself and the mental side. See yourself doing it, visualize you doing it, and do it. Now, professional athletes, talk about you know when you're coming up to bat or in hockey games or fighting, you visualize, you see it before it happens. And I think golf is probably the best example of that. You see the perfect swing, you see the perfect stroke, and then, of course, boom, you immediately do it. Of course, anybody's played golf, you know, and I think golf is the hardest, easiest sport I've ever played. And why I say the hardest, easiest? Because in golf, nobody's trying to tackle me. In golf, nobody's trying to put me through the plexiglass on skates. Nobody's trying to hit me in the face with their stick or their fist. In golf, there's not a baseball coming at you that's dipping and diving, going 90 miles an hour and then 70 miles an hour. Nothing changes. The ball's there. It's you and the club. That's it. Nobody's trying to hit you, hurt you, or trick you. It's just you hitting the ball, and that's what makes it the toughest because it is so simple that your mind gets in the way and messes it up because how can something so simple be so tough? And those that have played golf or continue to play golf, you can definitely relate to that. The hardest, easiest game I've ever played. Well, anyway, back to the visualization of doing the brick breaks. You see it, 
the body's relaxed, you're like floating, and then you drop the hammer on it and everything has to work together. And I've had many, many failed breaks on just about everything. One of the most embarrassing ones, uh, two of them, one, I did a uh, headbutt break on a brick and I've got the studio packed. There's 250 plus people crammed in this small studio we had and I got a headbutt this brick and the brick won. And I no doubt nearly knocked myself out, but no doubt I gave myself a concussion. Well, all these thoughts in my head, and I'm like, ooh, and the sound of a head hitting concrete is kind of a disgusting sound. But I got all these people, and here I am, Master Grogan. I got to do this thing. So I was able to refocus within a nanosecond and then bust through the brick on the second time. Now, that was a learning lesson. Holy cow. What happened was, and this is the craziest thing, is with breaking, everything's got to be, it's called a Korean term called shinjuk, which is relaxed, tight, similar to anything else. If you're swinging a baseball bat, if you're tight all the way through, you're never going to get through the strike zone, and you're not going to make contact. And if you do, you're not going to have a whole lot of impact on the ball. Relax until the moment of impact. You tighten up at impact, and then the body relaxes again, goes back to its natural state. Same with any kind of thing. And an example would be, the best example I give students all the time, is to just stiffen up as hard as you can, your legs, your back, your arms, and then try and walk across the floor being stiff as a board. The body doesn't move very well, okay? Think about that if you're uh, your car your axles are compromised. There's something in there, and they can't turn very well. Well, it's the same thing. Your body works. It's relaxed, tight. So anytime you walk, you're relaxed. Your impact comes down instantly tight. And, and of course, you don't think about it. If you thought about it, you'd never get from here to the door because you're thinking about relaxed, tight, relaxed, tight. How do I do this? No. It's, <laughs> you, you, you've walked since you were, what, nine months old. You got this thing. But the whole thing is with, um, like I mentioned, the bat or uh, golf or anything else, same thing with breaking. Everything's got to be relaxed. The moment of impact, that in one moment, everything's got to tighten up, and then you're relaxed again after that. So moving on, uh, I guess the second most embarrassing one, we had a uh, at SIU, Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville here, we got to do a halftime show during a basketball game. I got my bricks out here. Now what I did was they got this beautiful hardwood floor, so I don't want these uh, cinder blocks cutting into the floor, and I definitely don't want the bricks when they break chipping the floor. So I put one of our padded mats down, which was a mistake simply because the mat absorbed all the blow and you want the floor to provide a base. So when you hit that, the floor is based and supporting the bricks. That way the energy goes through. Well, anyway, it didn't break the first time, didn't break the second time, didn't break the third time. <laughs> I don't know how many times it took. Anyway, they finally ended up breaking, but it was embarrassing. But I wasn't about to give up. And the ladies said, you got to get off the stage. The basketball players are coming out. I said, I'm not going anywhere until these things break. So anyway, that was, uh, and, and to be honest, that that hurt. I, I, I scarred up the arm pretty good. Uh, didn't break the arm or anything because I'd conditioned and, and practiced at it. But it scarred it up. My point is, when I've done it properly, it doesn't even leave a mark. So back to the baseball bat break. Now that you've got a lesson on how to break stuff, right? That's why you listen to this podcast. Now you're all professional breakers. So truth be told, I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy Chip Townsend. He's got a uh, uh, new website that came up, and he is the true breaking guru, if you will. It's called Break Like a Champion, or Break Like a Champ, sorry, Break Like a Champ. And he'll show you all the details, and especially for the martial artists out there listening it's 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 wonderful, and it's coming from a guy that's done more breaking than I've even attempted, and I've done my fair share, uh, but he's got it going. So I entrusted him to help me get through this mental block, overcome this thing with my leg, and to do this baseball bat break. Once again, you surround yourself with people that you admire, you respect, you want to be like, 
And of course, you're going to grow to be like those, those type of people. I hopefully inspire you, love this podcast, share it with others, and you can use that to inspire others. I go to people like Chip Townsend, Kiyoshi Dave Kovar, and several others that um, we'll have on future podcasts here in order to gain my inspiration, motivation to keep passing it on to you. It's kind of that endless cycle. So I put my trust, my faith, and my buddy, he's become a really good friend, uh, just a rock star, Master Chip Townsend. So we practiced, we worked on it, we practiced. And the visualization, I knew I was going to do it simply because I saw it happen in my mind. But yet, I tell you what, that little bitty element of fear was in there. I've got the video on my Facebook page. It's also on our YouTube channel. Check it out. Uh, Kicking Life Guru. It's also on the Grogan's Martial Arts page. It's on the Rich Grogan page. So if we're not Facebook friends, send me a Facebook request, and I'll definitely like you. And you can check that baby out. Our YouTube channel is, I've got two of them. One is uh, Grogan's Martial Arts, and the other one is Kicking Life Guru, Rich Grogan. Check those babies out. All kinds of motivational, positive things on there. So the time comes, and I'm pumped up. We're going good. And there's five of us are going to do this bat break. We go through hit the pad a few times. The energy in the room is electric. Everybody's excited and moving. Came up, tested it, took a meditative breath, and here I go. Boom! What happened? Suspense. It broke! Yes! That's what happened. So no no horror stories of my leg breaking. Matter of fact, I got to the studio today, and uh, I brought my bat in. As I'm looking at it right now, Louisville Slugger, a genuine Major League Baseball. Yeah! And I showed it to the guys in the studio here, and uh, of course, they had to ask, have you ever seen it? Did, did, uh, did, oh, good, your leg didn't break. Has anybody's leg ever broke? Has anybody's this and that? And, nah, nah, nah. and the truth be told, yes, there's been uh, plenty of videos out there of martial arts fails and uh, of the you know, leg being broken. I mean, that's your tibia bone, your shin bone, that you've banged into a chair or a, a bed post before, and you know how bad that hurts. Well, that's what you kick with. That's what you hit with. So, yeah, there's uh, every opportunity, every chance that instead of the bat breaking, your leg could break. So at home, don't try this unless you've been trained. Uh, properly trained by Master Chip Townsend would be great. Anyway, um, my leg, fortunately, did not break. A uh, little bitty scratch. I mean, little bitty scratch. And that's the power of the mind, power of practice, and power of having you know somebody who believes in you and helps inspire you that you can do it. And I'll tell you. The, the elation and the great feeling I had, holy cow. I compared it to if, you know, I got a chance to play pro hockey, scoring the game-winning goal in overtime of the Stanley Cup Finals in Game 7. I mean, I was pumped. Yeah! And that was good. That was really good for me because, to be honest, I haven't had, uh, um, with, with the business side, yeah, you get excited about things, but personally that challenge for me, it was really, really good. And to make it even better, I had my son there with me. He's the one that recorded it. And, uh, um, you know, continue to show that, hey, dad's going to keep pushing forward. Dad's going to keep moving. Dad's going to keep doing these things to make sure that I'm not only telling others to do it, but I'm doing it myself and leading by example. Not saying, you know what, uh, you get out there and do that. uh, And I'm just going to sit back here. And uh, because I told you so, which, by the way, boy, I always hated that. Even as a kid, oh, because I told you so. I always felt when somebody says, because I told you so, either they're not smart enough to come up with an answer, or <laughs> they're sure as heck not a very good leader, and, and, and two, it's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. So if you, if, if you uh, parents out there listening, catch yourself from doing that. You know you never liked that when somebody told you, because I said so, because I'm the boss, because uh, I'm this, I'm the parent. Uh, come on, don't, don't do that. You're better than that. Like Rocky says, you're better than that. You are. You're better than that. And you owe it to your kids. Because guess what? 
you condition, you say it to your kids, not only are they not going to respect you for saying it, you never respect your parents when they said it or a boss at work, but they're probably going to say it to their kids or their friends or if they become in a uh, managerial position, they're going to say it to somebody else. And that cycle continues because I said so, because I'm the boss. And uh, a quick story, oftentimes uh, when I taught and, and I taught with some great, great teachers, and then, of course, you know, just like any, any other profession, you've got great ones, you've got good ones, and you've got some that, wow. <laughs> well, the good thing about the Edwardsville School District is the ones that are, uh, they're, they're usually gone. So that's, that's really, really good. They don't, they don't keep them around very long, which is excellent because when you're working with kids, you've you got to not only stay fresh, meaning with your mind, being creative, but you also have to enjoy what you're doing. You're not doing it to have a power trip. But there were teachers on occasion and uh, the, the teacher's lounge, at some schools, you'd go in there, and it was the Ain't It Awful Club. Ain't It Awful Club, what is that is? Oh, ain't it awful today, and ain't it awful they stuck me with this kid again. Ain't it awful? Oh, my gosh, let me tell you this. So, obviously, that would suck the energy right out of you. And I'd come in being me, you know, excitable, uh, hyperactive, <laughs> blowing my whistle because I was a PE teacher. <laughs> Just being me, and uh, and I, I get beat up from time to time. And say, oh, well, all you do is blow a whistle. All you do is play with the kids. And I would just say, yeah, but I'm good at it. Boy, I can blow the whistle the best of them. And guess what? I can kick a soccer ball with a kindergartner all day long. Of course, trying to make the best out of every situation. So sometimes, well, oftentimes, I would avoid the ain't it awful club because all I would do is suck the life and energy out of me. Where I'm going with this is this. Where I'm going with this is this. This is this. There you go. Is a number of times the teacher would say this. And a lot of times I was able to bite my tongue. But to be honest, there are other times when I just couldn't. And I would say, um, they would say, you know what? And I told that kid, I'm the teacher. I'm the one with a master's degree. And that's my certificate on the wall. And so I know what I'm talking about. A lot of times I'm just like, oh my gosh, really? But occasionally my mouth would get the best of me. And I would say, and parents, you're probably thinking this. I got an opportunity to say it a few times. Ah, I don't know if I should celebrate that or not, but it was something they needed to hear. I would say when they would give that spiel about, I'm the one with the master's degree and I'm the teacher, and I told him, I said, who the heck are you trying to prove that to? Are you trying to prove to a five-year-old who has no clue what a master's degree is, that certificate on the wall that he can't even read? Or are you trying to prove it to yourself? So I say that because you know what? I've had those thoughts. Hopefully, I've never said that. There's probably a good chance that I have, but never again. <laughs> never again. And if you've heard that, uh, and I'm sure we all have heard people say that, uh, you know, tooting their own horn about how great they are and what degrees they have, and I told him, come on, once again, you're better than that. Don't do those things, all right? Because you are better than that. And of course, with that reply, I would get the automatic reply back, well, what do you know? You're just a PE teacher. So yeah, yes, I am. You're right. And I'd smile and, and walk out of the room. Now, not that I would smile that I was being rude or belligerent to somebody, but I was giving them a freaking reality check. You're talking down to a kid, a five- or six-year-old, telling them how great you are. That's not connecting. That's not being a teacher. That's not being a leader, a communicator. And my, my thing is, and I've, I say this just about every speech I give on communication and leadership, your best leaders, your best communicators. Now, this just isn't my opinion. This is, this is a fact. The best communicators are the ones that can communicate with their intended audience on a level they understand, okay? It's not about what you know or what you think you know. It's about how you convey that information onto your intended audience. 
because as part of being a leader, you want to educate your audience to help them. You want to bring them along so you can share that wealth and knowledge you have to help them become a better person, to help them live their best kick in life, right? It all ties in together. So it doesn't matter if you're talking to a 4-year-old, a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 18-year-old, 20-year-old, 40-year-old, 80-year-old. You want to connect with them on their level and put terms in, in your message, communicate that in a way that they fully understand it. Because to have knowledge but not have the ability to share the knowledge, what's the use of having the knowledge? There's none. There's none. And I talk about all the books and uh, that I've read in the past five years, you know, uh, over 100 and the thousands and thousands of hours of audio books. Why do I continue doing that? Because I want to find better ways. I want to fuel my mind with more knowledge and find better ways to communicate with my intended audience. So continuously learning. You know, um, in the martial arts, the uh, as you progress up, black belt is, you know, everybody's goal is to reach black belt. Well, black belt, it's, it's called Chodan, the first level of black belt. And truth be told, it's actually a midnight blue belt as opposed to black belt. And the reason for that is continuous learning. In Asia, the Asian culture, black is perfection. And once you've perfected life, there's no sense living. And unfortunately, a lot of people, when they get that perfection mindset, they shut down. They don't learn anymore because they think they've learned it all. They think they know it all. They've got that, I know everything. Well, guess what? Once you reach that point where you think you know everything, you've essentially died. You shut your mind down because you're no longer learning. Continuous evolution, continuous learning is how you become your very, very best. Now, I'm 46, and I realize that's not old at all. That's extremely young. However, I'm sure I'm older than a lot of our audience that's listening right now. I'm telling you this. Start before I did on reading, investing in yourself. Listen to audiobooks. Listen to podcasts like this one. Surround yourself with motivational people. Surround yourself with people you want to be like. Listening to people you want to be like. That's a, a flaw that I, I made. It was simply because, yeah, I didn't know what to do, but I wasn't passively, or passively, <laughs> actively. I was passively. I wasn't actively pursuing other, other channels. You know, I was just kind of, eh, I hate to say complacent, but if you... Uh, don't admire, don't respect, and don't want to trade places with the people you're listening to, then then why are you listening to them? I mean, think about that for a minute. If you're wanting to uh, be successful, you're wanting to be the best baseball player, or you're wanting to be the best journalist, or you're wanting to be the best uh, manager, the best leader, well, you need to surround yourself with it. It can be tough, I get that, but you need to listen and take advice from people in a, that are in a position that you want to be in. Don't listen and take advice from everybody, and that everybody's got a suggestion, everybody's got advice, if they're below your standard, below your level, below where you want to be. It doesn't mean you put yourself up like you're better than everybody else, but it does mean, you know what, I want to be like this person. I want to listen to that person. I don't want to switch places with this person's life, so, you know, yeah, you can listen to them. Maybe take everything they say and do the exact opposite. (laughs) That's probably a good thought. But... Reading the books, the reason I bring that up is because my life is a total transformation. It started about five years ago. You've heard me talk about this before, but I'm not kidding. In the last two to three years, it's just been unbelievable, uh, which is so inspiring. And I started doing those uh, video blogs about two years ago, and they're becoming pretty popular, which I'm I'm saying that because I'm proud of that. Just yesterday, I was in Deerberg's, and um, I was walking through, and, and, you know, I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. <laughs> I had to say that in a goofy Ron Burgundy voice. 
But my kids know anytime we go someplace, people are going to start coming up. Well, yesterday I had three people that I truly have never met before came up and they said, well, thank you for accepting my friend request on Facebook and thank you for the video blogs. Oh, they, they mean so much to me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And just saying this right now, I'm getting goosebumps because you know what? Yeah, I'm the kicking life guru. Yeah, I'm Master Rich Grogan. But deep down, I'm just Rich Grogan, the kid that grew up on a farm that shoveled poo, you know, and bailed hay, broke horses. You know, that that's me. That's who I am. So when people come up and say that to me, it really makes not only makes me feel good, but it, it reminds me that you know what? I chose to do what I was born to do. I've utilized my God-given talents. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. But you have to be willing, as Rocky says, to take the hits. You have to be willing to put yourself out there. And when you put yourself out there, people are going to take pop shots at you. And, you know, I, I was on uh, – I got a couple negative feedback uh, reviews. And, of course, they, they frustrate me because, like, come on, man, what, what is that all about? Really? Well, what are your credentials to give me a negative feedback? But then I think, well, as my wife tells me all the time, the more you put yourself out there, the more you're going to subject yourself to that. And in order to get to the level that you want, you're going to have your critics. So the, the message is the lion doesn't lose sleep over the opinion of the sheep. So when you get those negative feedback, as much as it kills you, kills me, think about all the positives. You get 100 positive and one negative, come on. That's better than the other way around, right? Getting 100 negatives and just one positive. So be happy with that. But so yesterday I'm at Deerberg's. Three different people, like I said, came up, and, uh, and, and they're extremely apprehensive about saying hi. And I don't want that, okay? I, once again, I'm just Rich Grogan, the kid, the, guy, the kid that grew up on a farm. Please, if you see me out in public, don't hesitate. Come up, give me a high five. You know, tell me that you like my video blogs. Make me feel good. Now, if you don't like them, just, just avoid me altogether, okay? Don't, don't even come up. If you don't like my video blogs, just unlike me on Facebook. <laughs> no, if, if you've got some suggestions that uh, can make it better, I, I'll be happy to listen to those. Just if my kids are around, you know, try and pump me up, make me feel like a superstar. Don't hurt my feelings in front of the kids. If you want to take me out in the parking lot and beat me up later, that's fine. You can do that. I guess you can try. Oh, yeah, there we go. There's a challenge. Anyway, of course, I'm being silly and goofy there, but it really made me feel good for people to come up and say that yesterday, and uh, um, my kids are, are used to it. My son, Emmett, was with me, my youngest, and uh, this lady was talking, and then a lady I ran into I haven't seen in probably 20 years when I was teaching aerobics, water aerobics, way, way back when. Holy snikes, that was a long time ago. Anyway, she's coming up and uh, um, talking. I was so glad to see her, and unfortunately, she was in one of those scooter things, and uh, she's had some health issues, but Emmett just being as awesome and patient as can be. The next thing I know, I catch him over there, and literally he's juggling fruit. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, hey, good job, buddy. Don't drop him. I end up having to buy the fruit. So, uh, <laughs> But he was juggling fruit, and he was just, you know, he was just used to it. I was proud of him for being respectful. He didn't say a word, and I said, you know what? I said, I promised my kids I would get in here and get out real quick. Thank you so much for touching base with me. I hope all's well. <laughs> but it's just pretty funny looking over and uh, watching how kids entertain themselves. I mean, he obviously wasn't running around like a maniac. He's extremely well-disciplined, but he's over there playing catch with a fruit. So I don't know if that's bad or not, but I, I was, I was, it looked over and made me laugh. So hopefully it made you laugh. All right, so hey, we're, we're closing in on 50 minutes, and I've been moving on on all kinds of different things. I want to share with you, and it's once again, and we're going to have these guys on the podcast sometime soon. I've got uh, I've reached out to them a couple times, but everybody's busy. It's Become the Lion and Motivation to Reach the Top, and this is my daily lion. Uh, I found these guys on Facebook. They're awesome. 
This kind of ties into everything I talk about about the reading. And uh, the quote is, a reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? A reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. And of course, that's the power of reading, the power of uh, uh, gaining the knowledge. And how do you have a conversation? You've heard me talk about this many times. How do you have a conversation with the great, greatest, most successful, wealthiest, most popular, best people on the planet? Even the ones that are dead. How do you have a conversation with them? Do you, you remember? Do you remember what it is? You read their books. Yes, that's how you have a conversation with them. So if you want to become smarter, you want to become more successful, you want to become wealthier, follow in their footsteps. Of course, everybody's got opinions and everybody's got advice. But once again, we talked about this just about five minutes ago. Are they at a level or were at a level? And if they passed away, they're uh, not sure what level they're on now. But when they passed away, what level are they at? Was that a level you wanted to be at? Do you admire them, want to be like them? Then read their books. Follow in their footsteps. They leave the breadcrumbs for you. Once again, this is stuff I wish I knew years ago. It was always there. I mean, it's not like, you know, suddenly five years ago, people started printing books on success and on uh, leadership and on management. No, these things have been out there forever. And every year, more and more books come out. And with that, of course, you sometimes have to weed through the jungle. There, there is a lot of garbage out there. But there is also a lot of good stuff and a lot of good stuff that's always been, th- uh, been there. And it's always been there as well. I, unfortunately, didn't seek it out. Why? I don't have an answer to that. I'm just a dummy, I guess. I I don't know. But I'm telling you, be much smarter than I was. Start right now. Pick up a doggone book. Listen to this podcast over and over and over again so I can inspire and motivate you to keep moving forward to live your best possible life, your best kicking life. doesn't mean you have to get out there and kick and break baseball bats, uh, but it means you need to give yourself a kick in the tail to live your best possible life. All right. Well, we have covered a lot today. Wowzers. Woo. Good stuff. I'm feeling good. You feeling good? I hope you are. Well, as always, thank you so very much for taking the time to listen. You know, I'm going to give everything I've got every single podcast because I know how sacred time is. And I definitely appreciate and respect you taking the time to spend it with me listening. As always, the best gift you can do for somebody else. If you were inspired by this podcast, Tell a friend, share it with a friend, have them download the podcast, and have them subscribe. And, of course, you can subscribe. subscribe that's an easy word, right? Subscribe. Subscribe on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast from. And then check out lineupmedia.fm. Not only this podcast, but there's so many great podcasts that they sponsor and they set up and uh, right here in-house. All right, everybody. Until we talk again, and you know how it ends here. You know how it ends. Ready? Are you ready for it? It's kind of my tagline, right? Until we talk again, you get out there and do what you do best, and I promise you'll be your very best. Have a blessed day, everybody. Talk to you real soon. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to another exciting Kickin' Life podcast. This is Master Rich Grogan, your Kickin' Life guru, reminding you you can find our podcast online at kickinlifepodcast.com or through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast. Tune in next week, another exciting show coming your way. In the meantime, you get out there and do what you do best, and I promise you'll be your very best. Have a blessed day, everybody. Talk to you real soon. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.